Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The catch is made by DJ Moore. Still going across midfield. Inside the 40, the 30. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and Luminary. You can also find and at Podcast on Twitter. Welcome into Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm sorry I'm messing with my, my camera here. I just can't seem to. <laughs> Get it right. Uh, Desmond Johnson here, joined by Sports Illustrated beat writer Skylar Callahan and Panthers all-time lead and rusher Jonathan Stewart. Guys, we got a lot to get to uh, here, and we're going to get to all of it this uh, this afternoon, this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Um, Respond, react. We pulled some audio from interim head coach Steve Wilkes, Scott Fitterer. Uh, we got a chance to peek into the locker room at the end of the uh, the, the win on Sunday. Panthers 10-7 to winners over the Saints to finish 7-10 and on the season. Um, our team MVPs for the year. We'll uh, each give you our team MVP player uh, for the season. Uh, of course, it is uh, Tuesday. Normally, we do this on a Thursday, but since we've gone to one a week, you know what time it is. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mess it. I'm gonna tell you why we mess it. And uh, we got some stuff we need to get off our chest. There's probably some mad uh, TCU fans out there. Um, well, not mad, probably just sad. <laughs> I was just sad after what happened yesterday um, with uh, Georgia with that beatdown in the national championship. Um, the coaching search will give you updates on that. Uh, more and more candidates have been placed on this list that are scheduled to interview. Skylar give us the latest updates from that. And it's wild card weekend coming up. We'll give you our playoff predictions uh, for the wild card round that starts this Saturday. So a load of stuff to get to. Um, happy that you're here to join us here on the Believe Podcast Network. Before we get started with everything, though, we do need to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features a, a live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or any game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to Bet Online and join, or excuse me, head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And where we start uh, going forward on Tuesdays is Respond React. Uh, I had a chance to go and pull some um, some audio. With everything going on around interim coach Steve Wilkes and the search for a new coach, and uh, the fan base kind of splitting into separate parties for who they want to, to come in to be the head coach, I thought it was crucial. If you haven't heard this audio yet, this is courtesy of Panthers.com. This is the locker room after the victory uh, on Sunday uh, as they're giving out game balls. And uh, for me, I heard it and I was like, okay, we got to play this and start the show. So here's uh, Coach Wilkes in the locker room after the Saints win. I told you guys last night, okay? All right, come out and play according to our DNA. All right? And that last element of our DNA is what? What you guys did today. That's what you guys did today. All right? The one thing I told you last night, man, I respect the hell out of this group right here. All the adversity that you guys have gone through all this year, all the different it's, and you found a way to soak the wagons and come together and win one more. That's what it's all about. All right? We had guys down. All right? Guys stepped up. 
Bono and special teams came up with I got one ball right here. Eddie Wayne! Nah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much, man, through the adversity and love you guys, man. This was a crazy season, bro. Uh, what the f we went through, how we bounced back. I never seen a group of Men really play for each other and play for this coach, play for this staff, man. Exactly. It might be the last time, but I hope we all come back together. Exactly. I, I, hope that. I hope we all come together, do some damage, man. Exactly. Hey, on this last one, we gotta get this game ball to Coach Wilk. Finish on three. One, two, three. I have never heard a locker room so happy that wasn't going to the playoffs uh, to end a year. Um, Stu, I want to get your opinion on this first, uh, just hearing that. Uh, what were you feeling as you were hearing that, that audio from Coach Wilkes? Uh, Eddie Pinero spoke. Shaq Thompson uh, was there breaking that down in terms of uh, what he said about this team and the season. Just give me your initial thoughts from what you heard from the audio with Stokes breaking down uh, or Wilkes breaking down the last uh, locker room in here. I mean, really, you just hear a guy that's connected to the people he's talking to. Um, and then you hear the receptiveness of the locker room. Um, and that brings excitement and joy to the listener or the viewer that's seen that video. Because it gives you hope. That's what this whole season was about. Man, just give us a chance. Give us a chance to, to win a game. Like, give me a chance to trust in you. Give me a chance to show you what I'm all about. And Coach Wilkes did that for that, that, that locker room. Because otherwise, you know, the fan base, you know, a lot of, a lot of the fan base was counting them out. Um, not due to their abilities necessary, but due to, you know, like whatever elements, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and what Coach Wilkes did this year was, I mean, if you look at the times that we're in in general outside of football, right? Come off of COVID, 2020 was a terrible year. And then you have all these uncertainties and then all these different elements of surprise with the economy. And then, we're sitting here on the brisk of a recession. Like there's a lot of uncertainty. What's the one thing that people look for when they are cheering on their team? They're looking for a win, an outcome that is a win, but through the process, you're hopeful. And that strings along, you know, the possibilities of what your actual life experience is. Football brings people together. And watching that video, that team has come together. Yeah. And they've come together. They, they've circled the wagons. They've saw someone that they trust and they can believe in. And they fought for that man, Coach Wilkes. And going into this offseason, you hear the cheering and the excitement off the win. Um, Eddie Pinero. 
hell of a season. I mean, you know, we want to talk MVPs. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Eddie P. <laughs> hey, my boy Blue, super fan for Believing Panthers, said, I can't lie, I wanted Eddie's head on a platter after that Atlanta game. The man hasn't missed a kick since. He's really yeah. redeemed himself. He really he really has. And that was, what, week five, week six, yeah. or whatever it was? So, um, I mean, he understood, this, he understood the adversity. He understood then the, assi- the assignment. And he's done nothing but execute. Yep. And a lot of the guys that you that we see that have shown up throughout you know the course of time under under Wilkes, they understood the assignment and they've rose to the occasion. The guys that we expected to play well, they played well underneath Coach Wilkes. Period. Point blank. The you know the thing that struck uh, that stood out to me this was another one of those games where it was hard to get into because it was just like a ugly the Saints couldn't score to save their lives they were in the you know our territory like four different times past the forty and just could not score anything and then we couldn't throw it <laughs> like at all like it was strange watching the game we were running the ball uh, yeah. we were doing that guys were guys weren't really getting open it was kind of tough yeah there. there was no separation now the saints have a good defense so i'm not gonna take yeah. that away from them and that's what they've been on a little streak themselves the past month or so and turn their season around a little bit kind of similar to what carolina did but the thing that struck me was that if that game had been played in september and matt rule was still head coach that's one of those games we lose like yeah. we wouldn't have fought back we wouldn't have had that sequence that last two minutes and yeah. and found a way to win that was the main knock really for me with the Matt Rule coach Panther teams was that they kept saying they needed to get over a hump and get over a hump. And they never did. They just never figured out how to do it. We watched this same roster with Steve Wilkes figure out how to win football games, like on the fly, you know, and that's the growth, you know. But the biggest thing between Rule and Wilkes is like, it felt like the, the team under Rule just found ways to lose games where the, they found ways to win games under Steve. It's yeah. almost like they expected to lose games. Like once it once it started going a certain way, they couldn't flip it back the other way. And this team figured out a way. Now, not all the time. They had a couple of games where, just from start to finish, it just we just didn't have it that day. Uh, yeah. But there was some games where you know we were in dogfights, and they like on Sunday it wasn't a pretty game by any means. It was a, probably the ugliest game of the season. But uh, they figured out a way to win that game. Um, Skyler, you were actually in the room uh, when this next audio popped up. This was from. Um, I think this was. I think this was. This was Sunday. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think this was Sunday. Uh, Joe Person, friend of uh, the podcast, a uh, friend of mine, writes for the Athletic. I'm pretty sure he was the one to ask this question. Uh, asked this particular question to Steve Wilkes, and it perked my ear uh, when he asked it, and I wanted to get your reaction on this. Steve, that's just boring. You've always said you've been focused on winning the day. Now there aren't any days to win, so to speak, with the season over. Do you feel like you've done enough? Why why do you feel there's no days to win? Well, I mean, the season's over. Oh, but there's still days to win, you know. Uh, And we're going to start with trying to finish and win this day, and uh, making sure we send the guys out with the um, you know right message, which is making sure that they take care of themselves uh, during the off season. And um, so that's where the focus is going to stay. I love that. There's still days to win. Like the season's over, but we still got days to win, days to get better, days to improve. That kind of talk, yeah, like that, and that, that motivates you. Yeah, I'm you ready to just go talk out to my day. You know, like <laughs> this is this is what's crazy to me. Like people don't understand what football coaches and coaches and are are really supposed to be. 
coaches aren't just to, to make these guys good football players. These are young men. A lot of these guys are coming out of college, getting handed a, a paycheck that they ain't never seen before. They got a life to live. You developing men. What is your everyday routine, football or not? What is your mentality? And that's what he'd be speaking to. That's mm-hmm. how you get to the root of the player. You can't get to the root of the player. You're not a good coach. I got to think this hasn't been ignored in the front office. And Skylar, maybe you can speak on this because you're in the building more than either one of us. Uh, you know, we're covering the team uh, on a weekly basis. Do you have you? I know David Tepper. I don't know how often you even see David Tepper when you're there, if at all. Um, no. <laughs> like he's just a walking enigma. Like he, he's in there, but he's not really there. He's like a ghost. Um what have you caught from maybe not from him, but uh, front office folks when it comes to Steve Wilkes and the job he's done? They're all kind of tight lipped in terms of his chances of staying, which I completely understand. I think everyone should understand that while they're in the middle of doing these interviews. And we'll get to the candidates here in just a bit. But give me a vibe around the building being in there. Uh, the, the change from August, September and then from October onward when Wilkes took over. I'm sure it's a palpable you know, feeling in the building that something's different. Uh, can you describe that somehow? Yeah, I mean, we don't really get to see Scott Fitter or really anybody in the front office hardly at all. Um, maybe a couple times a year, but um, you, you just you you feel like there's a different vibe every day when you walk into that locker room. Like earlier this season, it felt like guys were just trying to fight through every day and try to fight through the week and just try to find a way to essentially like survive the season. Because it just things were not going well. It didn't look like they were heading in the right direction. It didn't look like they were going to ever figure anything out. And like I called it last week, it looked like a disorganized mess that had no chance of figuring it out. the The vibe in the locker room is completely different. And I cannot remember who said this. It, it was one of the core guys. It was either Shaq, Derek, or or, or Chin that said that this is the tightest. I think it was Chin. He said this was the tightest this locker room has ever been since he's been there. And it's like a whole different vibe. Just the the, the bond that they have grown over these last 13 weeks with Steve Wilkes. And that says a lot about Steve. Um, and, and he's not the only one that has said that. Like, and, and, and going back to that clip of, you know, there's still days to win. From my, my 15 minute conversation with, with uh, Josh Norman, I, I had to laugh because he he was like, man, he was talking about you know we got to get back and we got to you know we got to do this on Monday and 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 go through our last round of meetings and everything and he, he had a plan for everything and yada 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 and, he, and he's just sitting there like man he's like I'm trying to figure out what flight I need to catch and try to get out of here and this man's still trying to finish like he's a lit, really about winning every single day wow. and it's just. I, I think it's it just speaks volumes to Steve as who he is as a person and as a coach. Um, and, and the other the other thing that I took away from the the press conference yesterday was that he was asked about being a leader of men because that's kind of a, a term that a lot of guys in the locker room have used. And he said, you know, I don't know if I'm really a leader of men, but I, I consider myself a leader of people. And when you really sit back and think about it, I mean, he's right. I mean, when you're a head coach of an NFL organization, you're not just leading the team. You're leading everybody in that organization from training staff to coaching staff to their families to front office members. I mean, you're literally a huge part of everything that goes on in that stadium on a daily basis. So 
I, I don't know if you're going to find very many guys like Steve Wilkes. And I've talked about it before. You know, guys like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan don't grow on trees. Well, neither do Steve Wilkes. <laughs> Those types of guys don't grow on trees either. It's it's almost a perfect storm in terms of uh, – I feel like that the Steve Wilkes is the leader in the clubhouse. Like, I feel like that they, they are keeping it very tightly uh, to the vest. But there's a certain there's certain clues that are out there that if you kind of put them together, it, it feels like he's the guy that they're going to end up landing on. Uh, Just Bobby here says he'll be announced head coach by, by next Monday. That's kind of the timeline I'm thinking that by the beginning of next week, we're going to know one way or another what's going on. If you look at who they're interviewing, and we'll get to the list here in just a bit, it's like a bunch of offensive coordinators. Um, and I feel like that's more so them interviewing for offensive coordinators and <laughs> not for uh, an actual head coach. Um, I saw this morning that Steve is actually interviewing his interview today. Um, and I know a couple of them came in yesterday and apparently he has some kind of, uh, laid out offensive plan, uh, for going forward, uh, that he's supposed to be presenting to, to David Tepper, uh, about everything. I'm willing to, well, I'm wondering if that plan includes going to get his childhood buddy, Pep Hamilton, who, uh, I didn't realize lived five doors down the street from him growing up. Uh, so, you bring Pep Hamilton back home. You got Wilkes as the head coach. Maybe Al Holcomb stays as defensive coordinator. You start to build this thing that I would think Tepper wants to build something that's his own, but still in the same image of the Panther franchise itself. Like he doesn't have to come in and just rip it all down to the studs. He just needs to build a winner in the same you know mentality that we're used to seeing. And I think maybe that might have happened this year. But I'm not going to speak for David Tepper. That's another thing. We're going to get to in just a bit. Here's the last audio I clipped. It's from general manager, Scott Fitter, who by all accounts, it sounds like his, his, his job is safe. He's going to be the general manager because he's helping to pick this, this head coach coming in. Um, he was asked about the roster and the fact that they have more draft picks at this time this year than they did last year. And here's, here was his response to that. You've got more picks than you had a year ago at this time. How active do you anticipate being you're the guy who sit in on every deal. Is that going to be the yeah. case this offseason? I think we're we're in a situation with this team where getting the offense line settled. You know, we feel like we have some running backs. We have DJ Terrace is coming on. You know, uh, we need to make a couple tweaks on defense. Um, but we have one of the best young corners in the league. Dante Jackson will be back. This is a year that we kind of focused on building the basics. The last two years, defense and offensive line. This is the year that we can go out and take some shots on more explosive type athletes and players. You know, it might be a little bit more of a sexy draft than just a nuts and bolts type draft. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, you know, you never know what it's going to look like. There's a lot of work to do in the draft room and free agency, but we're in a position now where we can take some of those shots. Am I tripping? Does it sound like they kind of know what they're doing? Like they kind of know what the plan's going to be going forward? Oh. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Skyler. I mean, Everyone's everyone's thinking that like that's that means they're automatically going to jump up and take a quarterback. I don't I don't necessarily think that. I mean he he mentioned it a couple of times yesterday that they want a vertical threat, a receiver, or he even mentioned tight end. And when I think of that, I'm thinking like Quentin Johnson out of TCU. I'm thinking Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, who is by far probably one of the best tight end prospects in the last couple of years. So, I mean, that could very well mean that they could get one of those guys at number nine. That means they could maybe move back a couple spots and still get that guy. I, I don't know that it 100% means they're going to jump up and grab one of these quarterbacks. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm ruling that out. Uh, but, I mean, I think they have a pretty good idea as to where they want to go with this thing. 
They want to get some skill guys. They're going to spend money in free agency. And, you know, for everyone that talks about, oh, they don't have cap room, cap room doesn't exist. It's a right. fake imaginary belief thing. Like yeah. the Saints dug themselves out $80 million in the hole, still re-signed guys, still brought guys in, and still made it work somehow, some way. Every year. They do it every year. I guarantee you, Samir Sullivan, who's a guy that is going to be probably a candidate for some GM jobs here at some point, he's a cap guru for the Panthers, he's going to be able to figure this out. And he's going to be able to make some things happen where they maybe convert some bonuses or some uh, salaries into bonuses and so on and so forth. They're going to have money to spend, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and if they don't draft the receiver – they sign one in free agency. Maybe they trade for one. They're going to make some moves this offseason that we haven't seen since Fitterer has been in, in, in this job. I, you know, that's a perfect segue to one of my favorite day, uh, one of my favorite times of the week. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I made a mistake going on Twitter, interacting with folks, and I should have realized the part of the year where we were that I was going to run into just bad takes. and comments and ideas and i think the thing that's upset me the most this week is how many friends david tepper apparently has on twitter because everybody seems to know what this man's doing everybody seems to know what his whole objective is uh what his thoughts are what he eats for breakfast uh just everything and i'm just like y'all don't know this man y'all don't know david tepper y'all don't know his mentality his temperament y'all don't know like what he's thinking right now y'all don't you don't know him. So stop acting like you know the man and stop talking for him. I feel like there's so many people online right now that are trying to speak as if they're David Tepper. Oh, Tepper's going to do this. He's going to blah, blah, blah. He's going to do that. You know he's going to do this. He's been screwing up since he got here. Has he? Has he really? Has he really been screwing up since he got here? No, we haven't had a winning season since he, since he bought the team. But other than hiring Matt Rule, what else can you really point to that he's done that just made you scratch your head and go, why is he an NFL owner? Like, I don't understand where it's coming from. Maybe it's because he doesn't talk enough. Maybe he's because he's not Jerry Jones or whoever. But the folks that are online that are basically just like talking on his behalf, y'all got to pump the brakes on that. And the other half uh, are the ones that think we're going to trade up. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I cannot remember a time Scott Fitter has ever traded up with a top 10 draft pick already. Like, ever. Like, and this ain't the draft to do it. Like, all these people that are like, oh, <laughs> oh, look, Houston, Houston's got the one pick now and Bears are two or the Bears are one now, whatever. What can we do to get the Bears number one pick? How about we do nothing? How about we just pick somebody at nine? The last dude we picked at nine was this guy named Luke Keekley. He turned out OK. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing? Like, we're not. I, I don't understand the logic where people think this is mad and they can just trade things around on this board. There's no consequences. And we're just going to throw all these draft picks out for a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young. Do either one of you feel like we should give up multiple first round picks for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? You already no. know my feeling. So what no. are we doing? <laughs> like, why is this conversation still going on? They're not that good to justify it. And I put out there where, let me ask you guys this. What if they trade down uh, the ninth spot to pick up some, some spots or pick up some draft picks, trade back up to the top of the second and draft Hendon Hooker from Tennessee? Let him sit for a year. I Sign Sam Donald to a bridge deal. Hendon starts in 2024. I, I'm still of the of the thinking that like I, I don't know. I think Hooker is kind of a guy like you. You expect to do something sooner than later because he's already like 25 years old. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know that I'd want to spend an early round draft pick on a quarterback that's already kind of older than most. I mean, he's older than Sam Darnold. <laughs> like, Crazy. So, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if I would want to do that. But, I mean, if I'm Carolina, I, I would consider moving back if – if you don't want to move up to go get a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or even a Will Levis, which I don't think no. you have to move up for. <laughs> no. I, I would stay put at nine. There's going to be a guy there at nine. But if you have an opportunity to move back a few spots and pick up a couple extra picks, by all means, go for it. But at, but at the same time, I don't think that there's like, – like Scott mentioned yesterday, the last couple of years, they've spent a lot of their time trying to bring guys back. And, and re-signing guys because they had a lot of free agents and they had a lot of cap room, at least at the time. Now they don't have as much cap room, but they have a lot of guys under contract. So it's it's a much better situation. And when you look at what they have offensively and defensively, like there's really not many holes to where like you have to go back to the draft a couple of years ago when they had, what was it, 12 draft picks. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, trading back, trading back, trading back, trying to get as many guys as they could because that's what they needed at the time. They just needed bodies. Now they don't need that. They've got bodies. They just need to get the right guys in here, whether that's a quarterback, receiver, tight end, or whatever. I, they, they, I, I'm fine with them moving back, but I think they either stay at nine or they maybe move up to like five or six. They're not going to go all the way to one. Look at the recent trades that have teams that go from like the nine or ten spot all the way to number one or all the way to number two. Look how much they have to give up. Multiple firsts, seconds, thirds. Yeah, like it, there's not a player in this draft that no, I'm looking that's at. I'm like, that's like, you better be damn sure <laughs> that that guy is who you believe is going to get you to a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls because you're giving up a ton for a guy that you don't even know it could be a, an actual dude or not. Like, I don't. I, I've told you guys before. I don't think that that guy's in this draft class. But yeah. I mean, I think I think I think the draft talk right now. Everyone like everything's speculative still, right? Because you come off a game against the Saints, you got two offensive linemen that go down and injured. Mm-hmm. So we got to make sure that they are on the right, you know, path of recovery first, right? Because how did we win that last game? Ran the ball down the throat. Same because we had, yeah. Yeah. So we had two of those guys that make that happen go down. So off season has to be on point for like, you know, for them to make their way back to the field for us to even really, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves. So I mean and then number one, we gotta solidify our head coach. You know, he's going to have a lot to say about who he wants. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if it's Wilson, he's the defensive guy. Huh, we over here sitting here talking about we can talk quarterbacks until we blew in the face. But it makes a lot of sense. You know, right now we got J.C. Horn. We got uh, Dante Jackson mm-hmm. coming off of Achilles tear, right? What's his recovery process going to be like? Is he going to be ready in training camp? Like we, we're hopeful that he's going to be. He's going to do everything that he, he possibly humanly can to be ready for training camp. So, but we need a ball hawk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got a dog on one side. We need a ball hawk on the other. So, there's a lot of pieces 
that we can be aggressive with as far as playmakers, the DB spot. You know what I'm saying? What are we going to do, like, on the scheme side on defense? Jeremy Chen, safety. He can be anything in my mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's that type of guy. He's like a Thomas Davis was brought in to be a safety. His speed and his size, they put him at linebacker and he was a menace. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's just a lot of things that a lot of people don't just slow yourself down before you run into, you know, a train (laughs) because it's all speculative. I see, and that's and that's kind of my my whole point here, where people are talking about we need to trade up, we need to do this, we need to do that. Bitter had the best comment on all that. He was like, "Well, the first thing we need to do is hire a head coach. Like all that stuff don't matter until we hire a head coach, and then we can go forward with this other stuff." And that's exactly right. So when I see people online going on and on and on waxing about moving up in the draft or getting C.J. Stroud or we'd be crazy not to go after Bryce Young, no, <laughs> no, if, especially if it's Wilkes. I almost can guarantee if we stay at nine, we're going to pick a defensive player. We're going to pick yeah. a pass rusher or a linebacker or somebody because in the end, I think that I I personally would much rather have an elite young defense and a run game you can't stop than a quarterback that may or may not pan out and you don't have all the pieces around him and he's forced to carry you every week with his with his play or whatnot. That, that's You hit it right on the head. Yeah, go for the elite defense. You're right there. You're like you're yeah. right there. You got the pieces at all three levels to kind of make this work. You need another linebacker. You need another pass and uh, a pass rush defensive end. Put another DT right there beside Derek Brown. That's just like just clog it up. You know what I mean? Like get it to the point where teams have to scheme your entire defense each week when yeah. you come in. Like make it where you're a 2000 Baltimore Ravens, where you're an 85 Bears, where you're one of these named defenses that people owe to Tampa. Like when you say it, you're like, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. That was, yeah, that was a squad. I want that for the 2023 Carolina Panthers. I want an elite defense with dudes at every level making plays. And they're right there at it. They can easily do it if they want to. But again, it'll come down to who they hire. Um, we're uh, in the the thick of things in terms of hiring these or interviewing these coaching candidates. Before I move on to that, though, Stu, Skyler, you guys, anything, anything you uh, you upset about this week? I'm mad that I watched that Georgia football game last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. Man, I didn't even bother. To, I went over to check the score, and it was like thirty something to seven at the half. I was like, oh, and then I, I woke up, and I was like, oh. <laughs> you know when you watching something and you just like, man, I need to just turn this off. <laughs> Like but you just, but it, but it's just on. Like it's almost kind of like the the ticker for ES. It's like watching ESPN and you watching the same over, things yeah. over and over. Uh, man, consider like all morning long, it just be on in the background. Yeah, back <laughs> background noise. That's what it was last night. Like, oh, you, like, how does TCU end up in a situation like this? That I don't bad. Even... That was bad for their college. And everybody was picking them too after what what happened versus Michigan last week. They were kind of building a bandwagon, and Georgia just said no. <laughs> I, what I'm not what I'm not mad about though is them boys was over there on the sideline eating chicken wings. What? <laughs> Georgia, Georgia oh, was during the during game. The, during the game, they sitting there just eating chicken wings. <laughs> like this is like if I'm a Georgia fan, like man, y'all was having a great time yesterday. Oh my god! But I was mad that I had to watch that that blowout. <laughs> It was a waste of time. I could have really invested my time into a Netflix show or something. Yeah, man. Could have did something like, else. <laughs> could have did something else besides watch that. But what I did come, I came away with this. Um, 
what's his name? Eighty four, the receiver. Uh, oh, for TCU. No, for uh, Georgia. Oh. Um, McCockney or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like him. I like, like him, him a lot. I'd like him enough to be a top ten pick. Nah, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but but I like him because he 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 was doing a lot of little things. Um. You know, during that game, it, it might have seemed like a lot of blown coverages, but there's a lot of subtleties in his route running. I was watching her in the replay that really had the DBs really feeling like they was doing what they were supposed to do in their coverage because of the subtleties of his route running, the boy fast. But then that tied in. This is why I'm mad too. I'll, give me a give me give me a little mad. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. Um, Brock Bauer. Mm. I'm mad that he's a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. Because, Skylar, <laughs> you, men- you, you mentioned uh, a tight end over there in Notre Dame. But if Brock was a, was eligible this year, that would be top screen. He's... Uh, if, 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 if if I had to speculate, I'm speculating. Get that man. Yeah, he's a magnet, bro. Like I've never seen really at the college level where the ball just comes to the area and it just go. It just it's just like there. Yeah, he's <laughs> it's like Velcro. Like it just, it just goes. It really reminded me. It reminded me of how Greg it, Greg used to do for Cam. Like Cam sometimes was just throwing stuff like in the area. I'm just like, man, where's he throwing that? And then Greg just comes out of nowhere. Like Greg just comes out of nowhere and just like, oh, don't worry, guys, I got it. Yeah, I'm real <laughs> like, throws. Like, but it's the, it's the chemistry. It's the it's the the confidence. In a player that he's just gonna make that play, that touchdown he caught over whoever that DB was or linebacker or nickel guy, whatever. He probably don't want to be named. Yeah, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, like, he just he literally it was like he was just like playing with like a little like his cousin or something. Like, hey man, <laughs> let me get out the way, man. In the way, and, he, man, he's coming back. Georgia got a bunch coming back too. Like yeah. Georgia, Georgia's yeah. trying to do what no one's done before. They're already preseason number one for next year. No, no college football team has ever three-peated. Southern Cal is yeah. the closest been in my lifetime. It uh, was crazy as you think like Alabama and all the teams they've had. Like Georgia, really like they like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like we might we might as well really not watch any other college football games next year. I, it's funny though. The best part of what I did go in and out for was seeing Nick Saban having to react to this uh, <laughs> like as it was going on because they had him on the panel. Cause like whenever he doesn't, whenever he's not coaching the national championship, he'll, he'll go and sit on the panel and call the national championship game and have to, for him to have to sit there and listen to David Pollock go on and on about how Georgia was so great. And he's just having to sit there and like, listen to it. I <laughs> <laughs> was just constantly punching him in the stomach. Just like, yeah, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Kirby smart. Yeah. 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 Top draft picks, blah, blah, blah. We used to say that about you. So, yeah. I don't know, man. It's making it where I think Nick Saban would have left two, three years ago, and then this popped up, and he's like, oh, really? So, now we get to see what's going to happen here. It's crazy. Alabama's only repeated once, 11 and 12. You, He's yeah. won six of them, but he's it's usually he wins one, doesn't, wins one, doesn't, wins one, doesn't. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, real quick, though, 
I got. I know why I'm mad. Real oh quick. yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it to me. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I, I didn't have one originally, but now now that we're think they're talking about it, it came. You just got stroke the, the fury. Yeah, give <laughs> it a little tickle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for whatever reason, and and I actually kind of put this out on Twitter last night too. But it, you know what? It, I'm kind of actually I'm really mad. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm yeah, really. I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I'm gonna tell you why we. I'm mad, mad too. Tell us who we need to beat up. <laughs> college football, like I love college football. I really do because I love the pageantry. I love the passion, the history, the tradition, all that. It's really good stuff. But every single year, we're going to get the same result. I can already tell you right now, Georgia will win the national championship next year. Look at their schedule. Yeah, they start with Tennessee Martin. You think they that that's Ooh. that the Skyhawks <laughs> Tennessee Martin are going to have a fighting chance against them when TCU couldn't? They're going to keep like, like they did last night. It's it's my my big issue isn't so much that it's the same teams that win it every year, but it's that the same thing happens in recruiting. Like all these five star kids, all these four star kids want to go to Georgia, want to go to Alabama or USC, Ohio State, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like, and maybe this is just because I, I cover West Virginia or, you know, have followed West Virginia for a long time, and they're not a school that's going to traditionally get those kids. But it's like, damn, like, don't want any of y'all want to go and, and be something that starts something somewhere else, like, and be a legitimate legend at that school rather than just being the next guy at Georgia? Like, yeah, these kids are wired different, man. They don't care about that. Like they, they, they want to go where the best all, opportunity is to win, I guess. But they, they all think that, oh, if I go to Georgia, I'm going to the NFL. If I'm yeah. going to Alabama, I'm going to the NFL. No, you ain't, because guess what? That same point, there's same 24 other kids that are coming into the same recruiting class are going to either beat you out or you know have the same process, thought process going into that, and. You're going to have to battle for playing time. They have like 85 star players on their roster. You're not going to play. Not every single player that's going to go there is going to the NFL. Like, the, the way I look at it is NFL scouts are paid to do their job, right? It doesn't matter if you're at Colgate. It doesn't matter if you're at Columbia. It doesn't matter if you're at North Carolina AT or if you're at Alabama. If you're good, they will find you. I promise. Guess where Jeremy Chin came from? Southern Illinois. Oh, yep. And he was down in the rough. Second round pick, too. I yeah. mean, you're you're right. I mean, but straight dog. Especially there'll, there'll be a dude somewhere and, and and build something special that hasn't been done before. You know what they could do? Hasn't been that successful. Like the NCAA should put like a a threshold on Certain amount of five star players they can allow. Mm, that's, a dangerous that's a dangerous slope to go down because now you're punishing schools. <laughs> <laughs> you're punishing coaches. Well, no, saying, really good coaches, so like, you know? So, like, okay, well, hey, Georgia, you can have a maximum of six, seven five star recruits, right? Five star, four star recruits. 
Everything else, y'all got to make sure that thing get tossed around. <laughs> nah, but you know what would happen? The SEC would break off from the NCAA and form their own thing. And then they'd well, probably get the Big Ten to come with them. And what I mean, we're probably going that road anyway, eventually. Yeah, I was about to say, we, I feel like we're doing playoff. that anyway. Yeah, we probably – like the process. Football is just going to be its own separate thing, and basketball and everything else will stay with the NCAA. Um, we we got to uh, – let's move on to the um, our team MVPs for the season. Guys, pick one player that you would say from beginning to end – was the MVP in your mind of the 2022 uh, – uh, I keep wanting to call them the Charlotte Panthers for some reason, the, uh, the Carolina Panthers <laughs> this season. Um, Skylar, you go first because uh, I think Stu is kind of going through the Rolodex and thinking thinking back uh, over I, the years. I'm very back and forth really between three guys. Um, but I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Frankie Lubu. Just was, because I had him written down, I'm writing them all. <laughs> just, just my guy. How 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 much he just like exploded this season from a guy that was mainly playing special teams a year ago, didn't really have a role on defense. I mean, he kind of did, but it was very limited. But when he was on the field, he was good. And we talked about it in the preseason. Like Frankie Louvu was was a dude last year when he got his opportunity. It was just a matter of can he do it every down? And yeah. The answer is yes. He sure as hell can. So yeah. now, now the thing is, like, if he does it again, I mean, you're gonna have to back up the Brinks truck for him. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, you you cannot let, you know, two premier pass rushers. Um, well, I don't know if I'd call Frankie a premier pass rusher just yet, but I mean, he's a premier defender. Um, but you can't let a guy like Hassan Reddick and Frankie Louvu go away. Twice in three years, like you just can't allow that to happen next next off season. So like you've got to be able to pay him. Uh, but I do have honorable mention. I want to throw. I want to give Derek Brown a shout out and Brian Burns, who obviously had the best year of his career with twelve and a half sacks. But Derek Brown, man, I mean he he has developed into one of the top interior defensive linemen in the NFL. C. Prince says accomplishments. Derek Brown tied the Panthers' defensive line record for tackles with sixty-seven. Was that um, Chris Jenkins? I think it was that he tied with. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was either Chris Jenkins or uh, was Mike Rucker. Mike Rucker. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a huge deal uh, when you start talking about you did something that Mike Rucker did. Um, Stu, who's your MVP for the year, 2022 for the Panthers? Um, you, took, you, took, you took my Frankie Louvre. He was my first one written down too, actually. So I just went uh, scratch them off. Frankie was a, uh, just a phenomenal – he did a phenomenal job this year. Um, his energy – just unmatched every time he was on the field, and I just love that about him. Derek Brown was probably my second, um, but I'm gonna I'm throw one out there. J.C. Horn, Ooh. and I say this because that Tampa game really showed the value of J.C. Horn. His presence was missed tremendously. Um, and I think if he was there, we win that game and not just win the game. We probably embarrass Tampa Bay and Tom Brady mm-hmm. out of the retirement again. Probably. I mean, they would have been in the playoffs. So. <laughs> Either that I mean, or San Francisco, off of San Francisco, Tom Brady goes. <laughs> like, I don't even think Tom Brady challenges JC Horn like he challenged. Um, oh, oh yeah, he would have, he, that would have been like Revis Island. They would have just picked so, him up the, the whole day. Yeah. So, I mean, J.C. Horn definitely, he just showed his value this year. 
through that one game even. And it was eye-opening for me. Um, I'm sure it's eye-opening for, you know, the organization. Um, so when it's going to be time to pay that man, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. This seems a different conversation than we were used to have in the past couple of years where it's the end of the year and we're not even talking about, you know, pay that man some money. There's a, there's a handful of dudes <laughs> this year where like, you don't have to pay this dude some money somewhere down the road. If he keeps doing what he's doing, yeah. um, I've got one and I struggled with it for a bit and I kept coming back around to it and I felt like it kind of radiated out across the entire team. Uh, I'm going to give it to Bradley Bozeman. I'm going right. to say Bradley Bozeman is the team MVP because when he became the starting center, that changed our offensive mentality and that changed the way we played football as a whole. Like we started to be more dedicated to the run. Uh, it had been, you know, mouth service, you know, word salad before whenever rule or somebody would be like, yeah, we're going to run the ball more. Then the next I've week, never heard that before. Word salad. <laughs> word salad. You know, it's just like you don't nobody want to eat salad and nah, nobody want to hear that mess. He's out there talking to talk like, yeah, we're going to yeah, we're going to run the ball. I know y'all want us to do it. And then they go out and throw it for 40 times the next week. If Steve Wilkes said they're going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball. And they figured out once Bozeman came in, was it Pat Elfline that was the starter before he got hurt? Yeah. But I don't know why Bozeman wasn't starting to begin with. Uh, honestly, uh, you put Bozeman in that he became basically to me the leader of that offensive line. Uh, I think I read someplace uh, earlier yesterday where Bozeman was making it easier for the quarterbacks because he was able to handle the line calls and things of that sort. Panther fan base, y'all got to understand this. We haven't had a center that's been able to do that since Ryan Khalil. Like, and that, and he's been retired now for about what five years or something like that. So it's been a minute since we've had a, a competent center. And by extension, it's been a minute since we've had a competent run game. We had a competent run game this year, and it's because of Bradley Bozeman. I'll give honorable mention to Deonta Foreman. Uh, but again, I don't know if, if Foreman gets off with some of these holes that he was able to run through without Bozeman and that offensive line opening them up for him. And like Chin said earlier, it was a tight-knit team. That offensive line basically started every game. We didn't get any injuries till the very last one, really, and that's super yeah. important. Pay Bozeman, because I, I don't know. Scott, was he on a one-year deal? I think yeah. He was. Yeah, Bozeman, you definitely got to you got to bring him back. Bring him back. It's not. Uh, it's not. This doesn't happen often where you have a um, a a center on the market, healthy, and is really good, smart, smart player. You can call things out like you were saying that keeps everything simplified for the rest of the guys on the team. Um, you got to you got to make sure you handle that up, tighten that up. Uh Candyman 74559, keep pounding that like button. Uh definitely like, subscribe the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Uh the video is always here on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel. Uh usually beginning part of each week. We haven't decided when we're going on break because there's always something going on. We got a head coach and search going on. Uh the playoffs are going on. We'll give you our wild card predictions in a bit. The draft's coming up. And, and we like talking to you guys. It's open mailbag. So, you know, we don't know when we're going to stop. We'll just keep as long as you guys like us. And as long as you guys want us around, we'll, we'll continue to, to give you what you need um, for this. Um, just Bobby says – oh, whoops, that's the wrong one. I'm sorry. Uh, Emo Boy Blue says, two people I got for de- developmental players of the year are Chuba Hubbard and C.J. Henderson. C.J. kind of had some ups and downs uh, this year. Um, but definitely Chuba, once uh, McCaffrey got traded off, he kind of rounded into form. Uh, we're starting to hear some uh, double trouble 2.0 type comparisons with with Hubbard and uh, and Foreman. That's a great that's a great uh, running back tandem to be compared to, uh, especially yeah. in the floor. So that's that's saying something for real. 
the Aaron says, heard that guy mic'd up. He's hilarious. Bozeman. We definitely need him here. Him, follow him. His wife, Nikki, is a great follow on Twitter also. Uh, they've really ingrained themselves into Charlotte, um, which yeah. I've, I've noticed. Uh, and they both have said they would love to be here next year. That's a thing, too, that I've noticed. It's a, a vibe because Deonta Foreman said that. Uh, yes, he was almost pleading, <laughs> like, please, yeah. we need to bring him back next year. Uh, Josh Norman, it sounded like he said he'd be down to come back next year, uh, almost in a he, – he wouldn't be starting. So please don't don't tweet me and <laughs> all that stuff. I don't want 36-year-old like, Josh. I just want y'all to understand what's, at, what, what's happening here. What's, what's taking form? Tell him. Get him. If we do things the right way this offseason – Starting with Coach Wilkes, and then you start making the decisions roster-wise. Is we're just a couple of moves away, and a couple of guys healing themselves and, and getting back to where they need to be. Do you understand what our division looks like next year? Thank you, thank you. This is the thing no one seems to understand. The NFC South is going to be a dumpster fire next year too. <laughs> so we just got to make sure we stay here focused because stability right now is the only thing that you should be caring about. And you get that st- stability going, you go into next year, the year after that, the year after that, and you grow this team, this organization into something that people are saying, oh, wow, the Carolina Panthers. Free, agent, free agency all of a sudden gets a little bit more sexier. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, yeah. listen, man, like, oh, you got, you got guys wanting to be here. Like, those are the things that I was hearing when I was playing. Yeah. When, yeah. when I was in that locker room, you have guys like Peanut Tillman. Like, man, this, you guys got something special here. Like, I've I've never I've never you know stepped in front stepped you know into a locker room and like hear like how things are how people are talking to each other and just how well y'all gel together and how how much humility there is in the locker room and is you don't get that feeling just anywhere yep. and for you get to hear those sound bites from players saying man I really want to be back that means they know what's in store they know what you know is at stake if they get to be a part of the Carolina Panthers next year it's if like it ain't broke don't fix it yeah it's like the 2014 to 2017 Panthers in my mind like that group with, that you were on Stu like that core group especially the one the 2014 2015 Panthers that that team that brought in peanut and those guys like for that 15 run it feels like that and that was that was my argument when people were like we should tank we should lose games I'm like, no, you got to learn how to win. The only way you learn how to win is by winning games. <laughs> you got to be in situations to win and build that confidence. And Skyler, you've said it all year. The scariest thing in the NFL is a young NFL team with confidence. Like if they if they go out thinking they can win, it flips in the NFL so quickly that I mean, we've experienced it here. We were seven, eight, and one one year. The next year, fifteen and one in the Super Bowl. You know, like it just it can happen so fast. But a lot of that, like Stu said, has to do with the chemistry and team building. And we're seeing them building the foundation right now. And those people that I was mad about on Twitter from earlier. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad. I'm going to tell you why we mad. Quarterback and all that stuff and think that they can build it from there. You can't build a house from the roof down. And that's what you're trying to do. Say it again. You can't build a house starting with the roof. You can't start from the roof down. You got to build from the ground up. And y'all are trying to build this roof before we finish building the foundation. 
and it's irritating me. I do, <laughs> I do want Stu, I do want Stu's opinion on this because he's played in the NFL. So when you have a situation like this where it's very clear that the locker room wants a guy to be their head coach and has been their head coach, and is you've got this team locked into that guy, and we see that the majority of the young key pieces of this team are on the defensive side, which is what he is, which is his strength. If you co- totally flip that and you bring in a young offensive mind that is a first-time head coach and is has a mindset of the other side of the ball, mm-hmm. can that take away from how the defense plays and how that team or that side of the ball develops? Whew. That was a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it's kind of – right? Because say – a guy that's an offensive-minded coach. Yes, a lot of the attention and details are going to be dedicated to the offensive side of the ball. But if you bring in the right pieces as far as assistant coaches, you can actually make a case that, no, this actually works. I'm going to look at the 49ers, right? Shanahan. Um, But it takes a special guy to be able to understand you know, the rhythm of how that team is supposed to flow. Because you have to still know in the back of your mind, yes, you are a schematic genius. And you know how to get the offense rolling. But you still got to understand the pace of the game. You got to understand the rhythm of the game and how games are won. The 49ers, he understands that. He has D'Amico there. So... You have a good, so, so, so when I, so when, (laughs) right. So, but when I, when I look at the 49ers, I see, you know, an offensive mind that understands the backbone, which is a defense. I would be more worried if I was David Tepper at this point. And again, I don't want to talk for David Tepper because I just went off on people speaking for him. But I would think that he would understand that the simple fact that not just current players, former players, Stu Thomas Davis was very avid about this earlier in the week. I heard Jake DeLome on the radio uh, talking about it. The former players want Wilkes. Like the current players are are wanting Wilkes, and they're being vocal about it. Like I don't remember anyone being this vocal about Matt Rule and the job he was doing in the two plus years he was here. I don't remember a single player. Now they didn't throw him under the bus or anything like that. But no one was like, that's my coach. Like, that's my dude. That's my guy. Like, there wasn't a genuine affection for him like we're seeing for Steve Wilkes. And you don't get that in football unless they truly respect what you're bringing. Like, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to pretend to like you or or say you need the job just because. It doesn't help them at all. It doesn't affect them whatsoever. Uh, It just feels like if you do that and go the other way after everything that's been said and the fan base has been doing it, fans came back. There was, I mean, let's not forget the game. The last game Matt Rule coached was the uh, the San Francisco game, was it not? And was that not the game where the whole stadium was red, pretty much? Because the 49ers yeah. took over the, the – and we all talked about it. We are like, watching it on TV, man, that might be it uh, for Matt Rule. And then about 12 hours later, <laughs> it went down. <laughs> like, yep, there it goes. Um, real quick, because we're running out of time here, man. We had a bunch of stuff going on. We haven't even got to the wild card games. Uh Real quick, coaching search list. Found this great writer online named Skylar Callahan that put up a Cal- uh, Carolina Panthers coaching search tracker. Um, you can find it uh, at si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Panthers. 
um, the All Panthers Fan Nation site, where Skyler has compiled uh, a list of names. Now, Scott Fitterer said this was going to be a short list, right? Like, he said that Monday, yesterday? Ever since he said that, uh, let me just go through the list here. Steve Wilkes, he's at the top of the list. Carolina Panthers interim head coach. Uh, I believe he is interviewing today. Uh, Ken Dorsey, uh, Panther fans might recognize that name. He was the quarterback coach here for most notably Cam Newton. Uh, he's currently the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. Uh, he, the Bills are second in the scoring, uh, 28 points a game, and they have inter- they have requested to interview him. Frank Wright, former Indianapolis Colts head, uh, Colts head coach, built the roster right over at the Colts, has never got the quarterback situation straight. Former Panther quarterback. So he has Panther ties to us as well, um, and he's an offensive-minded guy. Um, they are scheduling an interview. Ben Johnson, the defensive line's offensive coordinator. Uh, Lions ranked fifth in scoring this year, fourth in total offense. Uh, they've requested an interview for him. Jim Caldwell, which I have to imagine – fulfills one of the minority um, candidates. Uh, That's the only one I've seen because it it has to be external, like Skylar explained the other week. Uh, Caldwell, uh, around my area, people might remember he was a former Wake Forest coach, uh, took Peyton Manning and the Colts to the Super Bowl, the one that they lost, um, struggled, got fired after Peyton Manning got hurt. Uh, He's, I want to say he's close to 70, so I'm not really sure – the seriousness there. Shane Steichen, Steichen, I probably said that wrong. The Eagles offensive coordinator is on the list. He's been submitted for requests. Mike Kafka, the New York Giants offensive coordinator. Uh, they've put in a request to interview him. And I haven't even looked on Twitter since we started this. So who knows who else has been added to this list since then. But the one thing you probably noticed, it's Steve Wilkes and a bunch of offense coordinators. What does that tell you? Like, does that tell you anything when you hear that list that it's Wilkes and then every other candidate underneath that's an offensive coordinator someplace? Like they're not, they didn't put in a request for Demico Ryans. There's no official request for Jim Harbaugh, uh, which we named the show after. Uh, but I, when I put it in, it was like two days ago, and so much stuff has changed where I, I don't even think they're going to interview Jim Harbaugh at this point. Um, what, what is that that list? When you wrote it out, Skylar, was there something that came across your mind when you started thinking about these candidates and like the similarities or what's going on behind the scenes? I mean, we've kind of heard for – months now, really since Matt was fired, but that Tepper kind of wanted that young offensive mind. And you just kind of wondered, like, if that was going to hold true, um, if if the defense maybe didn't play that well. Um, but they did. So I think he's looking at this now like, hey, we've got the defense figured out. We've got to get a guy in here that knows how to get this offense going. And I think that's probably why you see that, obviously, the quarterback's uh, so the quarterback situation has not been very good here for, you know, I don't even know how long, four or five years now, um, well, pretty much since Cam was healthy. Um, so now you've, you've got – Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you look at the, the guys on this list and you look at a guy like Mike Kafka, which I had to do my research on, I'm not going to lie. But when I started doing more, my research, I was like, man, this guy's pretty impressive. Like, he was the, the, the quarterback's coach the first year – of Patrick Mahomes' first full year starting and had been with Mahomes up until last year. This year he's with the Giants. He's the offensive coordinator and helped lead Daniel Jones to his best season ever. I was about to say, Daniel Jones ain't been bad this year. Uh, that's yeah. actually pretty interesting that he might have had a so lot to do with that. <laughs> you've got him. You've got Ben Johnson, who's really turned the Lions offense around into one of the best in the league. Um, Frank Reich, I'm kind of up in the air on. Jim Caldwell wouldn't be bad. But, I mean, I, to me, 
I, I don't know why. Something in, in my gut just keeps telling me it's going to be Ken Dorsey. It's going to be Ken Dorsey if it's a guy from the from the outside. It, it, that's who I keep looking at and says it just makes sense. And he's kind of the same idea of a Steve Wilkes. He just hadn't put in the work that Steve Wilkes just put in. I mean, it's the same kind of mentality. Ken Dorsey was here. Uh he knows what the, the, the Panthers are about. If you're bringing him in, it's a guy that knows what the culture is. He's lived in Charlotte, yada, yada, yada. I get all that. I just don't know if you necessarily need an offensive mind to be the head coach. Uh, you need an offensive coordinator that understands today's NFL. And I hope – and we're hearing, we're seeing the comments flood in here on the side where people are saying they're hoping that these interviews basically are a way for them to kind of figure out who they would try to go after as an offensive coordinator – but again, that's a lateral move for all, all these dudes are already offensive yeah. coordinators anyway. <laughs> like, why would they move? I mean, how, how many guys are going to want to come in, interview for a head coaching job, and then a week later they say, hey, do you want to come be our coordinator? Like, yeah, you want to be the offensive coordinator instead? And, like, we, not, only, <laughs> not only that, but these same guys that are coming in, they're they're getting interviews and looks from other teams around the league. So if they don't mm-hmm. get the job here, they're probably going to get the job somewhere else. Let me let me address the elephant in the room here real quick before we get our wildcard predictions in. I, I titled this episode the one where Harbaugh enters the chat room because I thought he was going to be a major player in this. Uh, a couple things came out since I had titled this. Uh, for starters, David Tepper didn't contact Jim Harbaugh. Apparently, Jim Harbaugh's representatives contacted us. They contacted Carolina Panthers to find out about the position. That kind of changed a little bit in terms of uh, our view of what exactly was happening there. And I kind of pictured the conversation – of Jim Harbaugh or whoever and David Tepper and whoever going along the lines of, well, would I have roster control too? And Tepper going, no. And they're like, okay, thank you for your time. And then they hung up the phone and went over to Denver or wherever else they're going to go. The fact that Fitter has made a point to say, uh, and Tepper, the last time we heard from the man, that he probably made a mistake giving Rule so much power over the roster. And the fact that Fitter is going to still be here and help with the head coaching search eliminates Jim Harbaugh from the list for me. Like he's not going to come here because he's not going to have full roster control. It's going to be the same situation he left in San Francisco. And from my understanding, Minnesota last year, he interviewed, it was going well. And then it took a turn somewhere in the interview. And it probably happened along the lines of him asking for more control over the roster. They just didn't want to give it to him. So he'll have to go to like Denver or. I really don't understand. Arizona. That coach. Why would you want that much control? I don't, you don't know. know. You don't know it all. You it's don't know. Thing. Like you don't know it. You don't. You're not the. You're not the greatest at everything when it comes to football. And if you are, kudos. But you're not. <laughs> it's just impossible to be that. Uh, ooh, like, another, <laughs> another key too that no one's talking about. Steve Wilkes isn't interviewing for any other jobs. There's five positions open right now because Arizona let Kingsbury go. Uh, although it'd be pretty funny to see Steve Wilkes interviewing for the Arizona uh, head coaching position <laughs> after everything that's happened. Um, but as far as I can tell, he hasn't interviewed for any of these positions either. And he kind of got asked that uh, they referred to him as almost like a, res- a restricted free agent where he's kind of stuck in, in between. Mm-hmm. He can't reveal his cards either, but clearly he wants to be in Carolina. And I think it's mutual. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, again, I'm not going to speak for David Tepper, but it feels like from who they're interviewing, <clears throat> setting it up where if we're going to get a defensive guy, it's you. Like, if not, we need to do our due diligence and interview all these other offensive coordinators I've been thinking about all year, and then we'll come back and figure this out. But I think they'll know by Monday uh, yeah. so they can start building the, the offseason together. I um, do think that what people really need to do is, like, do their best to do the men in black, look into the light, <laughs> and 
Flash. Yeah. <laughs> Forget everything that took place before Wilkes was hired. Okay? Mm-hmm. Forget it. It's almost like a 12-game season, pretty much. Well, just, just forget all about what happened in the past and really start to focus your energy on what is to come because there's a lot of good that's going to come out here um, soon. Anything that, any, anything that was built from the, from the ground up, like sometimes it rains. And when you're building something, that ground get real muddy. <laughs> you know it ain't going to be clean. Yeah. It ain't going to be clean all the time. But once you start getting some momentum, you get the frame up, start putting in the doors, the electrical, the plumbing, the roof, start painting the walls. Now we yeah. got a house. Yeah, now okay? you do it. Yeah, but don't so, do not do all that out of order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So so everybody simmer down. Forget about what happened with the rain and the mud and all that. We're cleaning it all up. All cleaned up now. If it ain't Steve, who does Stu want to be that coach? All right, no, who I want. If it's not, if it's not Wilkes, if it's not Wilkes, yeah, it's not Wilkes. I ain't even took my brain there, boy. (laughs) I I mean, someone tried to call me on last week. If it's not, if it's not Wilkes, and I could take anybody out there, anybody, anybody. If it's not Wilkes, I would have to go D'Amico. D'Amico. Yeah. He seems to be the last one. He's not even on the list to be interviewed. But uh, he's not on the list. But if he was if yeah. he was gonna if yeah, he was yet. available. He might be now, actually. I haven't even checked Twitter since we started. He might be in the building already. <laughs> so we'll, um, we'll find and out. strictly and strictly because he's a the defensive coach. Um and, I, and, and and me being a running back too, a running back falls in line with a defensive coach. Yes. Defensive coach wants to run the ball, so um, so I take a liking to that. I understand that method um, more thoroughly, and I believe in that method. So I would actually say Jim Harbaugh. Um, I'm not going to run from that. I did say Jim Harbaugh when Matt Rule was still the head coach the first five weeks of the year. I was like, go pull a Brinks truck up to, to Jim Harbaugh's house. Blah blah blah. That was me saying that. However, once Wilkes became interim head coach. That he moved to number two on my list. Quickly, <laughs> it was like, no, I want Steve Will. I want this yeah. dude. If we can't have him, yes, Harbaugh kind of fits the thing. I don't know what happens with the whole roster control thing or whatever. If Harbaugh can be convinced to just come in here and coach and let Fitter do what he's going to do, and they work together in tandem, okay, cool. I can, I can work with that. And plus, Harbaugh played here, so it's like it would still kind of feel good. But to me, there's be a certain sense of I don't know if it's true or not, but like with the team. The personnel, I feel like there'd be a certain sense of loss if Wilkes isn't the head coach next year. Like, I don't know if they're going to play the same way for somebody else from what we just saw. And then again, they're putting it out there. Like, they're, they're, they're verbalizing that they want this dude. Like, you don't just put yourself out there with your opinion like that unless you're strongly yeah. opinionated. Yeah, a lot of times it, it takes something that a player really strongly believes in to vocalize that publicly. Especially going into an off season where you could not be on the roster next year, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to make a statement outwardly like that, um, you know, there's a strong belief there uh, that's taking place. Brad Brad Sippet says at this point they need to try an offensive head coach. All of our head coaches have been from the defensive side of the ball. Why? I don't understand why. It has so the Pittsburgh. So Brad Tippett. So what should the Pittsburgh Steelers do? 
Hey, shout out to Mike Tomlin, boy, man. <laughs> I don't know how he keeps Pittsburgh, doing it. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers have been defense, 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 defense all day life. That's, the, the ball, that's their framework. Defense. I mean, the framework. That's what's made them them. Terry okay? Bradshaw's out here completing like 15 passes, like <laughs> <laughs> with Super Bowls. And, all I mean, it's their thing. Like, I, and we're we're from the same mold. Like, I don't yeah. think we need to be the Kansas City Chiefs, like to nah. or score forty points a game. Like, we just need to play what we just did. This has been the most exciting uh, week after the season's ended since I started doing this podcast for Believe. Like, this is the first off season. Yeah, this is the first off season where I've had genuine hope and optimism for the next year that we can be better. <laughs> Or Steve Wilkes. Think about it this way too: like, what's easier, finding a generational quarterback or finding a, a, a defense or building a defense that you can win with? That, that's what I was saying before. I'd rather have an elite defense than that one dude at quarterback because that elite yeah. defense will get you through some hard, some hard times. Like Dusty Rhodes would say, "Hard times." That defense right. will get you through it. And teams don't want to play elite defenses December, January, Super Bowl. We'll and see they, and they <laughs> definitely don't want to tackle nobody. No, you don't want to tackle. <laughs> I mean, think about the defenses we've had, like those top right. defenses we had, uh, with with Thomas Davis running around and Keekley and them boys, right. and I mean, dudes thumping. Like teams don't want to play them. Like they mm-hmm. they got to a point where they were causing turnovers every week and peanut punching everybody. Like it just it it causes just havoc <laughs> <laughs> with your offensive scheme. That's more than. Uh, us scheming for Pat Mahomes. If you can scheme for Pat for one dude and hope it works, or not hope, but you can pretty much kind of get it there. You can't really scheme an elite defense. You just got to play better than them, and that's it's a tough task. They're elite for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. real quick before uh we get out of here, we do need to touch on uh the party that we were not invited to, and that's the wild card weekend here. Uh, we'll just run down the list real quick. Get your quick uh your picks going for wild card weekend Saturday, four thirty p.m. on Fox. 49ers versus uh, Geno Smith, your boy Geno, uh, Stu, and the Seattle Seahawks squeaking into the playoffs there. Um, hmm. Geno. Just give me a (laughs) pick. I'm going to just put it this way. It's going to be a tough task. Tough, tough task. Defense is going to have to show up to stop the 49ers. And Geno, he better not right back. You know, people wrote him off, but it ain't time to write back. So I think I'm pulling for the Seattle Seahawks um, just because, really, I'm from Washington. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch them, you know, kind of, you know, fight their way through the playoff scenario. Um, I feel like there's a butt coming here. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but them 49ers, man. I got Brock Purdy out here, man. I'm I'm pulling for y'all Seahawks. You know, <laughs> I like how you, you know, this. <laughs> but it's, it's it's probably gonna be a bloodbath. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, C Mac probably gonna have about a buck thirty rushing, mm. probably fifty six yards receiving. I'm gonna go ahead and write that one down. 49ers. And 56. Yep. <laughs> Good Lord. You got, you got him going for over 200 or close to 200 yeah. this game? I think – Actually, it sound like it, he can't do that. Yeah, no, I think actually, the, uh, who's the backup running back that just came off uh, – that just got better? Uh, oh, for the 49ers? 49ers. Ebo's not back yet, is he? No, the, the backup running back. Oh, um, 
Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, you picking? So, okay, so you picking 49ers. Uh, picking the 49ers. Uh, what's his name? Skyler. Who you got? 49ers, Seahawks. I, my, my brain's telling me 49ers, but I got to root for my guy. Gino. Elijah Mitchell. Sorry. Sorry. Elijah, Elijah, yeah. Elijah Mitchell. He going to have about – he going to have two tugs. It's it's in uh it's not candlestick anymore. I forgot the name of the uh Levi. 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 It's at, it's in Levi, uh Santa Clara or wherever it is that they built it. Uh, I'm going 49ers too cuz they just seem like the most complete team in the NFC and they've been the hottest too really in the NFC yeah. for the past 2 months. Like they've just been beating people. I'm going to go 49ers. Uh 8:15 Saturday night Jaguars versus Chargers NBC actually a pretty interesting game um this, this is probably the best game of wild card weekend mm-hmm. in my opinion because like man Jack. they're so evenly matched and as much as i love to ride the justin herbert train i'm not riding it this weekend i'm going with the jags i, I think i think they've got something going down there with right now with trevor Lawrence. they're believing in themselves mm-hmm. i gotta go to jags still i'm going to charges i think uh Lawrence is gonna. I think that last game spooked me from Lawrence. He was good. He 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 missed a lot of throws. Um, you know, and I think playoffs. This is his first time going through the playoffs. It's different when you get up there, boy. Everything moving a lot faster. The energy's different. And if you ain't prepared and you ain't ready to make those throws, you're gonna be sitting at the couch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go Chargers too, just because it's at San Diego. It's Trevor Lawrence's first playoff start. No, it's in, it's in Jacksonville. Oh, it's in Jacksonville. Wait, yeah. the, oh, they won the division. That's right. Um, hmm. <laughs> Duval. I might go with Jacksonville then because uh, everything I was about to just say just threw out the window because they're at home. Um, it's a night game. Has Justin Herbert played a playoff game? No, no. So it's his first playoff game too on the road. So but he's a dog, though. He went to Oregon, dog. I got to rep the East on this one and Trevor Lawrence. And Travis Etienne in the backfield. I mean, uh, I'm going to go Jaguars. But Austin I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers won that game. Uh, they've been – the Chargers are kind of like the underdog, like in this whole playoff thing. It feels like nobody's talking about them. But they won like 11 games, didn't they? The perfect place to be. Yep. Uh, Sunday, 1 p.m., January 15th on CBS, Bills versus Dolphins. Um, Ain't no need for my, me to go in depth on this one. Yeah. So, yeah. Bills not knowing. Dolphins Bills mafia. The, Bill, the Dolphins snuck in. And the Bills did exactly what we were talking about last week uh, with uh, DeMar Hamlin getting better. They rode that emotion in that game, that opening kickoff. Yeah, uh, that, that, was, that was a movie. Like, I mean yeah. – couldn't even write it better than that. And then they got another one when they were down a little bit later on in the game. They got, got uh, Naeem Himes, another uh, kickoff return. So, uh, Guess I'm what go- kind of coach they got? Defense. Huh? Uh, <laughs> we know him. <laughs> we know him. Oh, <laughs> very came- well, very we know well, that. very we well. Know him, uh, yeah, I would much prefer having a defensive-minded guy. I think people get thrown off from them being too conservative or whatever because they're defense. But I don't, I don't catch that vibe uh, from a lot of these uh, defensive guys nowadays. Uh, Vikings versus Giants, 4.30 p.m. Fox on Sunday. That one's an interesting one, too. Um, that's uh, uh, at Minnesota. I don't so, believe in Kirk Cousins. So I'm going with the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley. I was going to say, you believe in Daniel Jones, though? 
Yeah, Saquon. Saquon would make me a believer in Daniel Jones. Actually, you know what? We brought this stat up a couple weeks ago where Minnesota's defense, I think they've allowed more points than the Vikings have scored, like, throughout the year. Um, And we were like, you know, and they were 12-3 and or something at the time. That was like a stat we thought we should keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll say uh, it's the Vikings at home, though. I'm going to go Vikings, but if they lose – it it would be big. I think every every loss they've had, except to the Commanders, was like a, a blowout. Um, I'll go Vikings, Skyler. I'm gonna go Giants. I I just I, I, I feel good. Yeah, I don't feel good about that pick at all. Make sure you're writing your picks down, Devin. I need to. So what? Hold on here. I'm putting all these down. So I Forty uh, ers uh, Jags, Bills, Vikings. Uh, then Sunday, January 15th, the Sunday night game, 8-15 on NBC, Bengals versus Ravens. That's in Cincinnati. We do not know if Lamar Jackson will be available. Actually, it'd probably be a telltale sign today or tomorrow. It won't actually- matter. Yeah. It will not matter. No. Nah. Them Bengals right now, they 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 quarterback so- is off the chain. The way so- he wears <laughs> – I mean, the way he the way he's playing right now is exactly how he was playing last year during this time. Maybe better. <laughs> Maybe better. Maybe better. So, yeah. so all that fluff that we were looking at throughout the season, he was—he must have been trying stuff out. Uh, <laughs> let me try this. See what if it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go Bengals too because uh, the Ravens feel like they got some holes, and I don't know what's going on between John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. I brought this up uh, a week or so ago just to put it in the atmosphere. I'm gonna say it again just so it's on every episode until we know what's going on. Don't draft a quarterback. Go sign Lamar Jackson. Oh. You know what I mean? Go sign Lamar Jackson so we can just do it. Hey, Lamar Jackson's 25. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, you, if you're willing to spend Deshaun Watson-type money on a player, why not on a guy that doesn't have all the baggage and has an MVP and has won the division? And, and, and a dog. He's a dog. And he fits what you're already doing on offense. So you yeah. just drop him and you parachute Lamar Jackson to this offense. Now, all of a sudden, you got a guy that can throw for 250 every week and can run for 102 with the hey, and? You can probably run for 250. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear that Lamar can't throw the damn football. That dude can throw a damn He can football. throw. He can throw. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a whole episode probably here uh, <laughs> coming up. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson to, to Carolina. We're going to put that in existence. Um, Monday night, Bucks cowboys 8-15 ESPN. Tom Brady has never lost to the Dallas Cowboys. He is 7-0. and Because <laughs> this weekend. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> Let me tell you why I'm mad. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. I'm mad, first of all, that the, the Dallas Cowboys ain't got no business losing this game. But they're they gonna lose. Oh, they, no, they're not hosting. Tampa's hosting because they won the South. Yeah. they about to lose and be bumped out of the playoffs yet again. Because Tom Brady, listen. I ain't betting against Tom Brady at all, okay? Throughout this whole entire playoff thing. <laughs> as long so, as he's live in this playoff yeah. game, I, I ain't betting against him. I, I ain't betting against him. So, Tom, Tom might go to the Super Bowl and y'all keep playing with him. Um, See, man, this is what I was saying the other day. Like, I'm not predicting him to get there, but watch him get there. Like, that's kind of how it goes down. Yeah, you, you can't count him out. You tried to count him out last year. This Tampa team is wrong. This Tampa team is so trash. Two years ago, um, 
but yeah, man, Dallas. Dallas ain't got no business losing, but they gonna lose. Skyler, are you on the same tip? You think? Uh... Uh, I'm going. I'm gonna go with Dallas this week. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's me being sick of seeing Tom Brady in the playoffs, and probably, probably. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the but, Cowboys play down to competition. That's the thing that bothers me with them. Like, they, depend, they depend on turnovers, man. Yeah. If, if like, they lose in this for, in this wild card round, we've got to start having a conversation about Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak was throwing that ball everywhere uh, Sunday. Yeah, I, was mad watch, I was mad watching him just sitting back there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you why out. we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. <laughs> just, like, you, they, they left you in the game to figure it out, son. <laughs> he had like seven, eight plays where he had like one, two, three dudes open. He threw it to the covered guy, <laughs> the guy with two dudes on him, like and behind him at that. So yeah, Dak. They didn't do many favors though, letting Amari, Amari Cooper leave for basically peanuts. And I mean, all he really has is CD Lamb. I, you know? I don't want to hear all that. I ain't hearing all that. I ain't hearing none of that. <laughs> if you elite, you elite. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Cowboys because I refuse to choose Tom Brady in the Bucks. He's been the bane of my existence for two decades now, going on, and uh, this needs to stop. <laughs> this needs to end. Let's let it end and let it end in Tampa with Dallas. The whole world wants to see Dallas in the Super Bowl, whether you hate them or lose them or or don't like them uh, or love them. They kind of want to see it because if you look at this NFC field. Eagles going, it's not really a sexy type of thing to me, you know, to see that Eagles team go. But to put Dallas in there, have Jerry Jones out there for two weeks talking and Dak and and all these characters and stuff. That's kind of the story that people kind of want to see. But can Dallas do it? I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I think they can beat this Tampa team. This Tampa team, I'm not getting fooled by what they did to us uh, two weeks ago. Because we didn't have anybody in secondary to, to play with, pretty much, and Tom took advantage of that on three plays. That was the difference. And watch, we gonna all of a sudden see nobody in the secondary when Dallas play. Yep, Dallas <laughs> gonna run, that, throw for four hundred yards. Secondary <laughs> gonna be non-existent. They gonna be just sitting there in their stands. Ever turn your hips? Yeah, well, <laughs> Oh man, um, so that's wild card weekend. Um, and I said, uh. Dallas. So I actually only wrote, I wrote down 49ers, Jags, Bills, Vikings, Bengals, Dallas. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see. I think Stu might have muted himself. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> uh, That's uh, got, so this was I got I got Tampa Giants, Chargers, Niners, Bills, uh, and Cincy. And then uh, I don't know if Skylar wrote his down or not. Um, I got him in my head. You got him in his head. So Bills, Bills, Cowboys, Giants, uh, Bengals. What's the other games? Uh, Boy, I thought you said you had it in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Better write it down. The Vikings game? game, Did you pick the Vikings? Giants. uh, Giants. Yeah, Giants. Uh, 49ers? I I want 49ers. The Jacks game, Jacks and the Chargers, Jacks. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, you might want to write those down. <laughs> we'll see if we're right or wrong. This has been a supersized uh, edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. We got to get out of here. Uh, presented by BetOnline.ag. Go get that bonus, that welcome bonus, and uh, start yeah, go get that bonus, y'all. Yeah, go get that bonus, courtesy of Believe. 
Uh, the audio will be available on podcast platforms here shortly. The video is always available at youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Uh, follow Skyler on Twitter at Callahan underscore uh, for the latest on the coaching search, uh, the latest on roster moves, everything else throughout the week. They're still getting stuff moving, and this is going to go pretty fast, I'm pretty sure. This isn't going to be a drawn-out uh, coaching search. We might know something by the time we come back in here next week. So um, for Skyler Callahan, for Jonathan Stewart, I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Networks. We'll see you early next week. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 